Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kodakery. I'm Josh. And I'm Megan. This week, we were joined by photographer Lola Poprotska. We talk about how her book, Blokovi, Novi Beograd, came together, why brutalist architecture is appealing to her, the craft of a published photograph book, and her work cultivating photographic communities through the Palm Photo Prize project. So let's jump into the Kodakery and talk with Lola. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kodakery. Today in the Kodakery, Megan and I are thrilled to be talking with photographer and publisher Lola Paproka. Lola, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Hi. So, Lola, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, kind of some of your creative origins before we dig into the Palm Studios, the Palm Photo Prize, all this stuff. So, you, you are based in London, but you grew up in Poland. Where was it kind of in, in this journey that you first discovered photography? Yeah, so I started quite late in um, actually my late twenties when I started taking pictures first. Moving to to London when I was eighteen gave me, I guess, more confidence because I had to start everything by myself from the beginning and didn't really speak the language and stuff. So the first few years, I kind of got more into doing what I actually wanted to do rather than working only to you know to make money and to kind of survive here because London can be pretty tough. But then I got an old camera of my mum when I was going to Australia in 2008. And actually, that's the first time I'd taken any pictures. And I started with just taking pictures of my friends, of going out, you know, like a lot of people. Um, nothing really in particular that I was interested in. And then I started taking pictures, a lot of stuff about architecture. And I guess from from there, I kind of started thinking about it a little bit more seriously. And uh, around three, four years ago, I kind of knew that that's what I want to be doing a living um, but it was yeah it's not a very long journey to be perfectly honest it mm-hmm. feels I'm very lucky that I'm able to to do it now and it's my job and when you started were you doing digital or film or both um I've never actually done any digital uh, before so the, the camera that I got of my mom was like an old Zenit you know the old Russian camera that she used to use and that was like a 35 mil um, camera. So I started with that. And up until recently, I've never used digital because some jobs that we do commercially, I guess, I need to um, be able to use it. But we always, I mean, I say we, me and my partner, we work as a duo. So we, we both kind of grew up on film and prefer to use it as a, you know, either if it's a personal project or um, for commercial stuff. So it's, it's quite lucky because it's coming back. A lot of people are using it. So clients do understand that you know, people want to, that's the preferable method of, of taking pictures. Yeah, Not everyone, but, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and um, so w- while we're on the topic of film, what is it about film that, uh, what, what, I mean, why, why have you stuck with it as an artistic medium, like versus digital? Are there things about the process, the way it looks? Like what is it about film that keeps bringing you back? Um, I think, yeah, it's definitely the way it looks. And, and you know, from Maybe when I was a teenager and I was taking pictures of, of my friends just on like a little camera, the the wait for the film, I think it took like five working days or something back then. And mm-hmm. that kind of excitement because you wouldn't know what you're getting out of it. I mean, now it's slightly different and obviously it's my job, so I need to make sure I know what I'm getting out of it. <laughs> so it can be a total surprise. But um, it's definitely the excitement in between taking pictures and getting them developed and, and having that time to, you know, even it's quite stressful, but I guess it's very addictive as well. 
that feeling that you, you I mean you know but you don't always 100% get what you thought you would and some of the mistakes that you made could be the best image from the whole film you know it's as cliche as it sounds there's a bit of magic to it where with digital you can just take thousands of pictures and I mean I'm sure you know I do agree that it's still a difficult task but it feels that you're in control so much at this stage that it might be a bit less exciting because if you take 100 pictures at least one is going to be good always where with film you take less but you kind of think about it a bit more mm-hmm. yeah it's not cliche to us yeah, we, no. wisdom we, we know the is. magic yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel that it's, yeah, it's quite often that people say that, but it's just true, you know, it's right, just what, right. what it is, yeah. Because you started photography a little bit later, were you artistic before? Like, we know you're you're from, from things in research that you're really interested in architecture. Like, were you interested in other types of art? Were you drawing, painting before you started um, photography? No, not really. I was always into music, but I never played any instrument or didn't really do anything about it. I really think it comes... It's to do with the confidence, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it took me a very long time to actually decided that, you know, I can do something and put it out in the world. I was always quite confident as a person, but I guess it's a different level of confidence when it's something you create and it's something that you're proud of and, and putting it out there to people is quite scary. And that's the reason why I think I started with architecture as well is because, you know, it's much easier than approaching people on the street and sure. or even you know shooting people in general so i think for me the big factor of it was just that i could could keep could keep it for myself and then if i thought it's good enough i could show it to someone where if you're on a job you can't really do that you have to be always making sure that you've got the right material and i think that that's what actually excites me now because it's it's getting out of your comfort zone but on the beginning that was definitely the really I can only think about it now. I didn't think about it back then. It's that's something that I've realized that it must have been why I started with architecture and, and still life and, and things like that because people are really exciting to shoot. So it's definitely just, um, you know, the process that you need to be confident with what you're doing. And also, in particular, brutalist architecture, which is um, what you highlighted in your book, Blokovi Novi Beograd. What is yeah. it about brutalist architecture in particular that is that draws you to it? Um, I think it, it definitely comes with, you know, I, I grew up in Poland, so I grew up in the States, um, similar to the ones in, in Serbia and in Novi Beograd. And um, I guess the the reasons why I actually started working on this book was because I spent quite a lot of time with a friend of mine who has, has a similar upbringing. So she grew up in Serbia, but then she moved to New Zealand and Australia. So she's kind of in, you know, just between East and West. Same for me. I was a bit older, but because uh, I was already in my teens, but we always spoke about the differences in the mentality and how how we grow up and the, the, the actual fact that you live in a space kind of, you know, it's like 90,000 people in a very small space and everyone needs to kind of deal with each other and, and what that, how does that change people compared to, to growing up in the West in, in general. Um, and I think that we were both a little bit tired of the fact that a lot of people would come to East and just take these, like, really sad pictures, black and white, super contrasty of, you know, the sad East where it's a place we grew up and we had a really great childhood and it's not all sad, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so I think that the block of you was kind of our way of showing how it was like a, you know, summer in the city, very, like, jungle, like, brutalist jungle in terms of, like, it's all concrete 
but it, it is a harm to a lot of people and it doesn't necessarily have to be very depressing, even though it looks, you know, it looks crazy. But the houses very often are really beautiful as well inside and they're very spacious and, and light. It just, it's just the style of architecture. It's, there's my favorite building in, in London, Barbican. It's, you know, it's the same style and a lot of people love that and it's, it's filled with flowers and plants and, and it looks amazing, but it does have that kind of, dark side to it because it's such a massive concrete block so i think it's definitely my bringing that kind of that nostalgia to it i think that my parents would definitely disagree because to them it's more of a um russian influence and and right, how you right. know it's it's something that they remember much more for me it's kind of growing up in in the neighborhood so you, you're always nostalgic to your um early days i guess yeah, yeah no yeah. i get that yeah so what did they what did your parents think of your book um, they liked it. They kind of, I think that my mom said that it was quite cool to see it in a different light because right. it's so hard to get out of it and kind of think about it fresh, you know. If you, a lot of people, and it's the same in, in English estates, a lot of people spend their whole life to trying to get out of them. But in Poland and Serbia, it's slightly different because they were, you know, they were given by government, by state. So there'll be very different people living in them. It wasn't something that, it's just the social housing. Social housing was for everyone. So even if you had, if you were a doctor, you would live in one of those. Obviously, your inside of the flat would look much nicer, but then right. you still live next to like, you know, there'll be like a pop star and a doctor and like a poorer family living on, in the same block. So I guess that yeah. kind of shows in, in, it's not like only social housing for poorer people. It's mm-hmm. a very, it's a mix. And then a lot of people have them from generation to generation but each one of them would be very different inside. That's really and interesting. And that was quite cool. And yeah. you said that's that was how it was in Poland or in Yeah, Belgium? and, and in, okay. in Serbia as well. Okay. In, in Serbia as well. So hmm. as it's, it's difficult. I, I should in Poland a little bit, but it took me a very long time to, um, to kind of have that fresh eye, I think. So going to Belgrade was like my breaking point with going somewhere east when I actually feel very familiar, but it's, I'm not from there and I'm definitely a the outsider, but I understand the mentality. And, you know, when I was saying that I'm Polish, people were like really into it because they know that we are from like a similar, right, right. I think similar yeah. mentality more than anything else because the, the history is obviously very different, but it kind of made me a little bit more prominent with the place and, and feeling comfortable there. So we're, now we're 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 talking about your book. So I'm going to um, jump into it a little bit more. And, and in addition to the architecture, you're also photographing um, people taking portraits. And so, yeah. what role do you see them playing within the context of the book? Well, the um, it was a very simple idea. I didn't really know anyone before. I mean, I've met. I, I was there a couple of times before, so I met few people. But the people that I photographed were, um, I would just walk out every day. For like four or five hours and just stop people and ask them if I could take some pictures in what they were doing so it was all as they as they were it mm-hmm. wasn't really like putting anyone in any places right it was very much just like someone who was coming back from work there was this guy who was like a big watermelon coming back from work with a suitcase and I thought he just looks really cool <laughs> and I just stopped him he was the first person that um, I took a picture of and it was super easy and natural in terms of for them because they were just like what do you need to do and I'm like nothing you just as you are it's perfect and that's how I wanted to kind of portray the whole block of his story that it's you know it's an architecture which is almost very sleepy most of the pictures that I took 
were almost without any people in them, and then the portrait would be just about the person. So, right. yeah, I guess the idea was just to, to show very different people who lived there, and they were from very different backgrounds as well. And how do you... We ask this question uh, periodically when we're talking to people who do photography like this, where you're just going to walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, I want to take your picture. How do you build trust with your, your subject in these photos? Like, how do you get them to be relaxed and just be themselves? Um, yeah, this, I was actually terrified myself <laughs> to start with because it was, it's a quite, um, I mean, especially when you think about the language barrier and, and, you know, I don't speak the language, so it was a bit tough, but then... I was traveling there with my partner, who's a photographer, and he was very much like boosting my confidence. He was like, go and, you know, go and chat to them. And it's, I guess as soon as I started talking, most of the people would speak English or we could, you know, also a lot of it was shot. I mean, majority of it is shot in medium format. So the massive camera and the tripod and everything with people kind of treat you a little bit more serious. They don't right. just see it as a snapshot that you're doing or you're coming up with your phone or something. Because I guess a lot of people understood that it's something special and it's not like as much for me as for them rather than just like a snapshot and a quick, you know. So I, I always try to talk to people for a little bit if if, if it works, if they can speak the same language and right, right. Um, try to explain what I'm doing. And now after this book as well, I very often have some photos on my phone so I can show it to people so they see that I don't really have any, what I'm going to do with the pictures right. and, and what kind of style I'm doing. I try to make them as comfortable as possible because I, I don't really believe in taking pictures of people when they don't know about it. I guess I don't really, mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. I, I totally think there's a lot of people who do it really well. But I, it's not my thing, and I guess it's. Um, I'm trying to be as honest as possible, and also make sure that the way they portrayed is the way that they feel comfortable with as well. So I don't want to take any advantage. And yeah. um, there is definitely opportunities of amazing pictures, but I feel like it's maybe immoral. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, right. Right. Um, and what what are people thinking? Uh, what is their reaction to seeing you with? A, a tripod and a medium format camera are they like what is that you know what is their reaction yeah, like? some older generation remembered them so they were like kind of oh I haven't seen this one in years you know like stuff like that younger people were just kind of confused but then um, I would show them how it works and the fact that with the Mamiya that you can have a look through and people kind of get excited about it because they've never seen it before I guess that they were not as I mean something that you guys obviously probably don't know. I'm very heavily tattooed, so I think that was more of a <laughs> of a craziness than the camera itself, mm. especially in, in Belgrade. Right? So <laughs> it was something that people were like, who's this freak with this weird camera? <laughs> I guess. Well, actually, um, yeah, we, we tried to find a picture of you, but we couldn't find one. And then so we put a question on here, do you like being photographed? <laughs> because it seemed like maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't know how many photographers actually like to be photographed, right. but, but I definitely say yes because it's a payback time. You know, I mm. feel like there was it's it's been a, a long like many years for me. Also, being heavily tattooed, being a woman, ten years ago was slightly different than it is today. Right, right. So a lot of people would ask me for like snapshots and stuff before, and I feel like um, this is you know this is fine. This is a payback. Like I always ask people, so why not? Like right. I need right, to right. say yes to that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, I think majority of people, like as soon as they realize that it's film and it's not going to be straight away and it's called, the whole like waiting time is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. A lot of younger kids that, that I take pictures of, 
they want to see it straight away because they want to put it on their Instagram right. and stuff. But um, so they would like message you every day. Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? And it's like <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but it's I totally get it. It's you know we especially when we work with, with Fanny, we try to give ourselves like a couple of weeks to make sure we do the edit and stuff like that. So. And for a project um, like this, why did you choose medium format? I think that, I mean, I guess to start with, it was the box, and I thought that they just need something that it's, you know, the amount of detail that you can get. And I do actually just shoot a medium format in general. Like once, mm-hmm. I don't know many photographers who would try it and just not continue. Not keep going. Really? Medium <laughs> format, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's, I do like a mix. It depends. It's, it, you know, sometimes it's obviously it's a pain to carry that around. Um, so if there was like, I mean, you can still have like small and medium format cameras that you can take on a hike and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just used to the fact that we always have backpacks with us and it's never like a pleasant walk. It's always a bit of a... <laughs> Clunky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess this is this is the price to like make sure that you're always there with the camera if the right. opportunity arises. Don't want to miss anything. Yeah. That's obsession. <laughs> uh, so, so at what point, Lola, did uh, Palm Studios come into it? Palm, for for tell our audience a little bit about what it is, and and how did this kind of start for you? Palm Studios is like a platform for photographers and artists, mainly photographers, I guess. But I'm trying to to get um, more people involved, and I I post different photographer each week on our website, and I do like um, Instagram and um, posts and stuff to kind of promote other people and. I guess it started when I was working, I was thinking of, of making a book and we were making one for my partner and we just thought of doing something that, you know, wouldn't just be our name or like my name in particular because I feel like I'm doing so many different things from like creating exhibitions to helping people with the shows or books and I thought it would be nice to have a name. It took me a very long time to actually come up with it but it was the first thing that I thought of and then, and then yeah, so, so that the main reason was to make a book and and have our own way of editorial work so we didn't like you know it's nice to work with magazines but sometimes you want to have something that has 40 or 50 pages and because everything that we do is hand printed in darkroom it just felt like you know shooting on medium format hand printing it in a darkroom scanning the print and putting it on instagram <laughs> it's not really it deserves like the, the fight yeah. yeah i feel like it's it, not with everything, and, and it definitely makes you question what you should more, but it's nice to be able to do that once in a while. So, And the first book that we've done was for, for Pani, um, Pani Paul's My Land. That was like a first um, publication because he had an um, exhibition coming up. And the process was so amazing, that, and, and we were kind of working on Block of You at the same time mm. that I just really... You know, I never thought I'm going to actually be really into the process of making a book. So since that, Palm became a publisher and I'm working with different people now. And this year we've we've done the first Palm book, which I'm hoping to make uh, one a year, Mm. where um, some of the people that we featured online or or some of the people that I work really like, you know, could have it in print as well. And actually this book had every single person who shot for it was, you know, was filmed and... All of it was actually hand printed as well, and then offset print at the very end. So you know the most, the longest possible way of doing (laughs) stuff. But it's um, super rewarding, and um, yeah. But then I don't want to just do it on this platform because I feel like, of course, I can't print you know twenty books a year. I'm not like a massive publisher, and it's just nice to have it for like special projects. But 
I feel yeah. that, you know, internet is, is important and it's nice to be able to feature so many amazing people. And some of them are completely unknown. Some of them are known. And it's amazing that just to build up like a community. And very often if I go somewhere and I know that a photographer's from there, I would write them an email and be like, hey, do you want to grab a coffee? It's just a nice mm-hmm. way to connect with people. And yeah, and then people write to me and, you know, it's, it's I don't know, it just feels like a, um, London can be very cutthroat and, you know, especially working environment as well. And I think it's really important that people still connect and have like that right. nice um, contact to be able to chat about photography in general. Yeah, and uh, it's publishing, how, how have people responded to publishing? We, we, have a, we have a mutual friend, Clint Woodside of the Deadbeat Club, and at least on his T-shirts, he says, there's no money in books. So um, <laughs> have, uh, how, how has the publishing been received? Are people excited about the books? Like, tell our audience a little bit about... Um, how, many, how many are yeah. in your runs? I mean, how many are you making? Oh, yeah. Well, um, funny enough, Clint just texted me. Um, <laughs> the second, as you mentioned, his name. Um, hey, hey Clint. Yeah, I think we've definitely had this conversation with Clint that, you know, there's definitely no money in books. But I feel that the stuff, you know, if you wanted to make money, you definitely wouldn't make books. To start with. That's not a business plan that you <laughs> want to have. Yeah. I guess it's, it's different because obviously he's also a photographer. So I think we do it to kind of show our work slightly in a slightly different way. Um, we The first books we did, we only did like three 300 copies of each and they sold really quickly and I mean I think that with your first book a lot of people would buy it because you know it's your first thing your friends would support you we did shows with it and launches so it was pretty um, easy but obviously the more you do and the, it's like your audience is also very different I feel the stuff that I'm doing now it's it's more for grown-ups I'm, I'm myself I'm a bit older so I want to make sure that it has the most beautiful paper and you know all that kind right. of stuff that a lot of few years ago I didn't really care that much but I feel like if you put so much work into the photograph then it deserves to be presented the best yeah. way possible but then I still love zines I'm not like I totally think it works for certain projects and but I just wanted to like step up for my own sake you know <laughs> to like yeah. do something that's slightly yeah. bigger and, and I was partially part, I was joking about the no money in books I mean we I, I think it's a like it's something that we've seen a lot even with Kodachrome magazine which uh is a project that is very near to my heart here at Kodak, where working in print is received differently now than maybe it was even a few years ago. And like people are very interested in, in the beautiful object, the designed book, yeah. something that's going to last. I think kind of as we've gotten so used to digital culture that's so transient that print is suddenly valued again in the same way that film photography and vinyl records and those things are are valued again yes totally i think that um, it's something that even for younger generation it was really amazing to see that a lot of people would you know would be very impressed with the fact that you know even the production side of it it's you need to learn so much about it to actually get it right so i think that people do value that a lot and when we have meetings even with clients they always very impressed with the books itself because it's you know it just makes you sound really professional when you've got a book made even if you did it yourself (laughs) (laughs) and it's such a um it is a great process and i mean you know we've made so many mistakes i mean every single person has made a book if you just sit down with them they're going to tell you 20 things that went wrong or 20 things that they would have changed and i would probably have a very different selection of images by now but that's like that's just what it is and there's Mm -hmm. some beauty in it it's the same as with film it's like you can't just change it, and right. and it's quite nice because it sits here and there, like with in that time that you thought that that's the best 
what you could give, you know, and it's very... I mean, it sounds, again, a bit cheesy, but it's very emotional, I think. Yep. To do it's your very, own very human. Way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, the, and the imperfections become, in a way, part of the perfection of the object, if that makes sense. Like, you know that there's things in it that you would change. But at the same time, at that moment, like you say, that was the, that was the best thing you could do as your first book. And it's for me, it's like extremely thrilling when... You know, we've worked on an issue of the magazine for months and months and months, and then that box from the printer comes, and you rip that open, and you can smell the ink and like pick it up for the first time. There's nothing like it. I mean, again, for me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> now, of course, it's the same. It's like we're just a bunch of nerds, really. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> we were also talking about how in this time that we're living in, where we're sort of inundated with images, you're acting as a curator creating these books and exposing people to photographs that are very meaningful. You've taken the time. I think that it's important at this time to to be putting out work like this. Where do you go to find new artists? I mean, are you do you have other books that you buy from other people to have in your collection at home? I mean Yeah, it's definitely um I guess both me myself and my partner, I think all the money we do spend on is pretty much photography, film, cameras and books. That's like <laughs> our free go-to things. I don't remember the last time we bought any clothes or anything <laughs> else. But, <laughs> um, but it's it's a mutual interest too, so I think it makes it much easier if both of us are into the same stuff. But um, I definitely always try to buy books from different artists, especially independently um, published because, you know, if I'm not going to do it and, and other people want, we just won't exist, none of us. So we have to support each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely buy some books, just there's some books that I don't even like the photography as much, but it's beautifully bounded and it has a beautiful paper and I'm just going to buy it because of that. So I go to that those extremes <laughs> like right, right. In, in terms of like research and kind of appreciation to the, the actual production of it um, itself. Mm. I do think that, um, like I said before, that people really appreciate it and I feel that it adds a bit of value. It's the same as having, you know, a very large image like printed on the wall. Mm-hmm. It almost sometimes doesn't matter what it's on the actual image, but the fact that it's so massive, it's like the most impressive part yes. of it. Yes, um, right. So you can, you can tell that from some exhibitions and stuff, you would go in and, you know, it looks amazing, but then when you actually look at the picture, if it was a postcard size, you wouldn't even care. Like, mm-hmm. So I think book has the same kind of effect on people where obviously it's amazing if everything is good about it, but very often it's um, it's just impressive because it's it's a it's a beautiful object yeah, and then there will be like things to it. Yeah, and it's not on your phone. I think we all, you know, like obviously I use Instagram every day and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm against it because I'm not, but I feel that we definitely are like bombarded with, content every day so it's hard to even appreciate what's good because you've seen every image hundreds of times like mm-hmm. it just feels that you know it's good because it gives platform to new people and and someone who might not have that opportunity before but it also dilutes the amount of work that right. it's you know mm-hmm. it's i just feel that the, the quality sometimes might not be as good because it needs to constantly everyone needs content it's like everyone wants to have things done five minutes after the shoot and yeah. I think that does it's not healthy sometimes I mean with books you sit on it for months it takes probably a year to make a book I think so it's never like oh I shot it last weekend it's always going to be yeah um, right. yeah 
because we're bombarded by images and so much of it is disposable or transient, like what sort of where do you see the role of the photographer today? And is it different than maybe it was five or 10 years ago? I think that, I think that since we, since I started working commercially as well, I think that I see stuff very different in a very different light and I definitely appreciate it more. And at the same time, I think that people just need to take a little bit longer in general, like the photographers, you know, we don't really get this opportunity very often commercially, but with on personal projects, it really, you should sit on it and maybe not try to get everything out as soon as possible, especially when it comes to editing. I think it's something that I see a lot. I see a lot of really good photographers, the ones that I feature on, and I feel like a lot of people don't edit their work well because I think they just don't have enough time sometimes. But I don't know what the role of photographer would be because, you know, these days a lot of brands and people are, you know, using selfies and that's like enough for them to sell the product. So <laughs> right. it's changing It's changing a lot. And I think that, I don't know, there is something cool about it. I quite like it because the hierarchy can be extremely boring in photography mm. right. of like, so, you know, the how people treat their assistants and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's yeah. um <laughs> I wonder yeah, if sorry, over, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say I wonder if over time it'll uh in, say another uh, five years from now, if it will start to make the photographer almost more valuable again in a way, because like just technology was so disruptive and you're right, people are using anything from cell phone pictures to selfies to sell products, make movies, whatever. But there's so much out there that's I would say of a you know, like quality wise, who knows? Like it could be taken by anybody in any place that the more considered image, the more artistic image, the craft and the skill will become more valuable again over time because it'll differentiate the imagery. And it'll be mm -hmm. like, well, this isn't just a selfie that somebody took to try to sell a product or just in general. This is a really carefully crafted piece of art. Mm. I really hope so that that's the case because I feel that these days a lot of people and a lot of um, brands are happy to get someone to take pictures who's got, you know, enough following rather than enough skill or talent. Right. And I think that that's definitely something that, you know, it needs to change at some point because, like you said, people do miss the analog. And it's not only the analog in film, but also in, in, in photography, but also in records. And, you know, this is, I think, the first year, the last two or three years, the growth of, like, book sales is massive. So it's not only visual, but also novels and books in general like reading books like people yeah. actually do miss that even though having a kindle or something is so much better when you travel then i think people like yeah they do miss that tangible like yeah mm -hmm. i think i think that's the case and i think that the new generation like the younger people it's really funny we've we've worked with you know whenever we work with models and stuff and some of them don't even have instagram they're like oh that's boring it's a waste of time and i'm like oh my god i'm 100 years old young people <laughs> like, do that oh. <laughs> yeah there is there's definitely a, a what group is of, you know like a, a not a waste of time for them then <laughs> instagram yeah like yeah. The, is there like yeah, something I we're missing that, what what is the cool thing here <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely missing all the cool things. Okay, well, <laughs> we all are. <laughs> right. You're in good company. Um, so um, tell tell our audience about the Palm Photo Prize. This is really exciting um, coming up. So. Uh, yeah. Um, this is happening on the 10th of May. We just closed the submissions on Sunday. 
which was amazing. It was super overwhelming how many people sent uh, the photos and the quality of it was pretty amazing. I was really, I mean, the way that I, I set it up was um, I wanted to make sure that it's a free entry. So if you, it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, you basically just need to be able to send the image to us Um Online, it, it worked with um, we worked with our partner, the Prince Space in London, who's you know basically making it happen when it comes because they're printing all the images for us, and with House of Bands in in London here. So the the main idea was that it's a one strong image that you want to send. It doesn't have to be part of anything in general. There's no theme, nothing really because I feel like themes can be tricky. It it could stop someone from an, an amazing image to be sent to us because they feel like it might not fit, but then themes also could be so fluid. It's, you know, you could pretty much make anything a theme. Right. <laughs> um, so we just open it to everyone. And we choose like 100 images. I think I've managed to choose about 120 and I just can't let go of those 20. So I think <laughs> it's going to be more than 100. <laughs> and that's going to be exhibited here on the 10th of my opening at House of Bands for a month. And, we're also going to have some workshops and other things happening. So then we've got an amazing judges who are going to pick the first two winners. And then we've got a People's Choice Award. So it's going to be anyone who comes to the opening can vote for the image. And then we have prizes for, for the People's Choice Award. And then we actually did something this, this year, which was for um, Instagram. So we're going to upload all the images to the Instagram and people can just like them okay. online and that will kind of be more fair to people who are not from London or from the UK because obviously they can't have their mates coming and voting for them so we're trying to do it um, online too um, I should probably mention who is our our judges so we've got um, Karen McCod from um, Photographer's Gallery senior curator uh, we've got Joshua Kuhn director of content marketing production at Kodak um, <laughs> not that guy <laughs> <laughs> We've got Jack Harris, our old friend who's an editor at Heavy Collective, um, and Andrea Poland from the Hack Magazine here in London. So those four guys are going to be choosing the two top winners. And the person who's going to win, we're going to create a show at the print space in London, either this year or next year. We just need to, depending on who the person is, we'll, we'll have to arrange the time. And we've got just amazing vouchers from um, different labs and photography gallery bookshop we've got a goodie bags from palm parallax uh, photographic art in in brixton house of vans goodie bag and some film from you guys <laughs> a, a kodak goodie bag <clears throat> yeah yep well that's exciting it's great that you're yeah, doing that so it kind of made me think of the community you're talking about earlier it kind of keeps everybody together and um, yeah i love that yeah quite amazing how many people like camp come to this stuff and how many people actually submit and then how like last year I've done something that it's the, the Palm Photo Prize is based on the IPF um, photo prize that I've been doing in collaboration with um, Jeremy Randa it was his festival that he started in Melbourne a few years ago and I got in touch with him three years ago saying that I would love to do something similar in London so that was basically because I saw online and I actually submitted my work to his festival in Melbourne and I loved how he made the whole community be involved and they were showing the different exhibition were happening, not necessarily only in galleries, but in like, you know, the first one I think was in a, like a nursery. So they kind of used a lot of different spaces that don't necessarily always work as an art place. 
huh. and show people's work. So it was quite cool to to do something similar in London. And I was really amazed on how many galleries and small independent places were happy to give us space for free to kind of make this stuff happen because it's, you know, if you normally want to rent a gallery, it's just really expensive and hmm. trying to make submission free. It's um, And then, you know, not having a print sponsor and all that kind of stuff to start with, it's, it's very overwhelming. But yeah, um, print has been supporting us for like two years and it's amazing. It's been it makes such a difference because then we know that we can have the best quality prints and, and then people can just submit without putting any money towards it. So, how um, many how many submissions yeah. did you get? And over 1,600. Hmm. Um, like That's different from, 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 all, from all over. Like last year, I think we had about 1,200, but there was two images that you could submit. So it was over 2,400 submissions, but hmm. uh, from 1,200 users, but put it like that and yeah it's been good and I mean obviously creative people always like I had so many people writing to me we extended for a couple of days because everyone's like oh is it okay to still send it on a weekend and I'm like of course photographers (laughs) we always like last minute (laughs) unorganized yeah Yeah. (laughs) so we did extend it till till Sunday rather than Friday which made total sense because people are not working so they can actually focus on stuff like that (laughs) sounds like a full-time job narrowing it down yeah. to your 120 uh, right, images right. yeah it's it was a really tough really tough job but I was kind of as soon as they were coming in I was already like separating them to different folders and kind of had like an idea of what's happening because otherwise it just would be overwhelming yeah yeah <laughs> super overwhelming so what what's your next project like what's coming up for you now you're working on the Palm Photo Prize do you have another book in the works like what's kind of the next thing um well we kind of to be perfectly honest, I'm just winding down. Like this, this year's had a lot. I just had a solo show in Bristol that only came down today. So um, I've, I was working to a, towards a lot of projects, and we just planning where we're going to go away for the month of August. And we've got a show in in Poland in a in a gallery in Wrocław. So I'm actually trying to take some time off because once photo price is done, and once it's once it's actually happening. This is going to be my first time this year that I can breathe a little bit, and I think that's when I'm going to start thinking of what's next. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't yeah. even, I'm not even there yet. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like my, I don't have the brain capacity to think. But we'll definitely shoot more projects. We we went to um, Australia. This, we spent the whole January there shooting personal work, so we're still going through that, and it's like an ongoing. Like I, there was nothing. Um, I think at some point next year we're going to work on a, another book, just me and Honey like a joint book but I don't really have anything yet for that there is like a collection of images and it's just the ideas are growing basically right okay and uh kind of one one final question from from me would be as you're behind the camera I'm curious as you're relatively new to photography right 10 years you're new to the the craft where do you see your unique voice like when you're you're looking through that camera you're picking your audience not necessarily i mean it could be for your commercial work but also for your books what is it that when you hope people look back at your volume of work 10 years from now so like this is what lola's photography was about like do you do you what, what what's your voice like what are you trying to bring the essence to of lola right essence of lola <laughs> i don't know i think that i really cherish just trying to be as authentic as possible and and this is you know, in documentary, obviously, this is all you should 
do in general, but try to try to not lose um, any of that within working more and more in commercial work because I think it's a very hard task. A lot of people that I know who've been shooting commercially a lot, not that they stopped taking their personal images, but it's like a secondary. Mm. And I, I want to make sure that this is the books and palm is always going to be number one. And then don't take me wrong. Like I love commercial photography. Yeah. It's great. Um, it's the best job ever. But then there were so many people that are in charge that very often the image that you're taking is not something you would have done if you were just walking around. You know, it, it's never really that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite nice to be able to focus just on your own thing. And even if it's, I, I don't want to keep taking the same pictures. I love Block of e and I love that project and it's super close to me, but I also want to explore other things and I want to travel. I mean, we travel quite a lot and we, we try to go twice a year, somewhere for like four or five weeks and just shoot the place where we where we at and travel and, and meet people. Um, but I I try not to um, think about it that's like, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, Poland, and I'm going to do a book on something. It's more like quite natural and, and organic in that way. Um, right. Yeah, and that'll come across in your, in your images. Yeah. yeah. But I hope that that's what will people will see, that it's not, um, um, I don't know if that's the right, right Word, but it's not contrived it's not trying to be anything forced. it's just what it is mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. not forced um in in any way and and i really really most important thing for me is to make sure that the subject the person that i'm shooting is comfortable with that and i can show the beauty that i see in that person rather than trying to make them certain way so it's cool or whatever you know like it's right. quite easy to like push your agenda and i don't want to do that i want to kind of give space to that person and just execute it well. So I guess that would be my final goal. <laughs> That's great. Are, are there still copies of Lokovi available? Um, and if so, where can people get them? No, unfortunately, well, it was a bestseller. So <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Not unfortunately, <laughs> no, <it> was... <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm joking. No, it actually did sell pretty quickly. It was only a few months. So I don't, I don't have any copies left. Okay. I'm going to release some special editions soon because I've got some that I kept for for that. So I'm going to do it with like a special print. So this is there's going to be only a few left. It's kind of hard because every single time I think about re- republishing it, there's like a new idea come to mind. And then I just feel like, oh, but I want to do a new book rather than, <laughs> right, you know, it's right. like it's something that like you're driven with new stuff rather than just reprinting. Maybe I'll do That's it in two years, but I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think I'll try and maybe rework and then and republish Block V or maybe even come back to Belgrade and shoot again and just do more in depth with where people live and in the houses and stuff because that was the original plan but um, when we were walking around with Mima it was it kind of you know you always have an idea in your mind and then it will happen something else is going to happen mm-hmm. when you're there and I quite like it that it's all about outside but maybe the next thing would be to kind of go more into depth and focus on, on, on few characters and kind of get to know their lives rather than just having like an overview of the place. Yeah. And where can people follow the Palm Photo Prize winners or, you know, or your Instagram? If we could tell people that information. Yeah, my Instagram is just my full name, which is Lola Paprotska, um, Lola Paproka, for the English speaking, probably easier. <laughs> and um, 
Palm Studios has its own Instagram and all the stuff about Photoprize and, and general features and everything that we're doing is always updated on our website at palmstudios.co.uk. It's probably the best place to check with all the events and things that are coming up. Um, the general email, hello at palmstudios.co.uk, is the best way to contact. Um, we do go through every single email due to a very large amount of emails. We do respond submission-wise only to people who we actually going to feature. Mm-hmm. I don't really take any submissions on new books um, because we've got about three or four in working, so I don't want to overdo it because it's it's a very um, it's time-consuming and I just don't want people to wait and rather just focus on those. But with features and online stuff, it's it's always good to you know say hello and and get in touch. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us Thank today you. in the great conversation. And everybody go check out if you're if you can make it to the Palm Photo Prize, go see the gallery. And otherwise, follow all of these things that we just talked about, all of these Instagrams and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It is a great satisfaction to be able to speak to you through the medium of this wonderful invention. <laughs>